Hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast, The God Beyond the Bible. Our podcast is released weekly each Friday. The content of each episode is based on the questions and curiosities we all have about God and the Bible. Many of our topics are considered taboo in the minds of the mainstream church. You will find our discussions to be, I think, refreshing and often far from traditional. But we don't just skirt around these complex issues, but confront them head on, and not in the way you're used to hearing them discussed on typical Christian talk shows. I'm Alan Rowland, creator and host of The God Beyond the Bible. As of the launch of this podcast, I've been a pastor for more than 35 years. My co-host is my daughter, Trayson, and our engineer, co-producer, is my daughter, Tabitha. Our mission is to encourage our audience, along with us, to open our minds to the reality that God is simply too big to be fully explored or experienced by the reading and studying of a single ancient work. In short, the Bible's not the sum of God, and to think this is to limit what He has done, is doing, and what He will do in our future. So with introductions made, thank you for listening, and let's dive into the topic of the day. And welcome, Seekers, to podcast number 80 of God Beyond the Bible, the podcast by Seekers and for Seekers. Probably never heard that before. (laughs) We hope that wherever you are or whatever you're doing as you listen to this discussion, that you are happy and blessed. Joy, happiness, and a sense of feeling blessed does not come from our external circumstances, but from somewhere inside. We can have peace and contentment within despite our external circumstances. And our shout-outs today are going to be to our listeners in the UK. We're glad to have you guys on board. Tabby, yeah. you've got a quote? I do. This is from Mary Ann Williamson. She said, Love is what we are born with. Fear is what we have learned here. The spiritual journey is the unlearning of fear and the acceptance of love back into our hearts. I like that. I do like that. All right. So we've devoted the past three episodes to topics that some of you may consider a little more mystic or philosophical than they are religious. But our take on these topics like karma, the law of attraction, and the aura is that the Christian religion embraces most of these in principle, but really rejects the titles because of their association with the label of pagan religion. And so jumping right into this week, let's talk about something that we believe would cure most of the ills of the world we live in. It is unconditional love. It may be simply defined as love without strings or without stipulation or condition. What does unconditional love feel like? While we may be able to imagine how it would feel to be loved regardless of our degree of deserving to be loved, it is very difficult to experience this concept of love in the world that we live in. Our normal world of relationships is based on a strict conditional love concept. In other words, I love you because, and whatever the because is, we're actually unaware that what we are saying is if the conditions of the because should change, so will my love for you. Do you guys think that's a fair statement? I do. do. So it's of our opinion that as 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 close to unconditional love as we may get is the love of our pets. Someone said, if you want to know who really loves you unconditionally, lock your spouse and your dog in the trunk of your car for an hour and then open it and see who is glad to see you. Also, short disclaimer, although this is a funny analogy, please never lock your dog or your spouse in the car trunk. I don't want lawyers knocking on the door that you told your listeners to lock their spouse in the trunk. (laughs) Well, and so we, in all of that, we kind of lost it a bit, but uh, think about it. You can be angry 
and be downright mean to your dog or your pet, but usually your dog. Cats, not so much. We've got cats, but... You hardly you know. ever see a cat unless they want to be seen. Yeah. yeah. and uh, But, you know, you can just be angry with your dog and really scold him and be downright mean to him. And five minutes later, he's still glad to see you and express his love for you. Now, why do you think it is that an animal can accomplish this degree of unconditional love? And when it comes to human relationships, they're so fragile and so easily broken. It's really not a mystery why many people treat their pets like family. We crave unconditional love. And I mean, you know, I do, I'm do. i not a person that wants a pet in the house. I, we, we do have an old cat that comes in when she wants to and, right. and everything. But I'm not one that wants a dog in the house. But I do understand why people... Sure. Uh, I understand why people gravitate toward a dog as a pet. I mean, a dog is the closest to unconditional love as far as just oh yeah loving you sure. no matter how you treat them. I want to quote the, you know, on the question of why do we think it is that animals can accomplish this degree of unconditional love? One of my favorite authors is Dean Koontz. Mm-hmm. And in all of his books, there is a constant thread that runs through, which is the natural goodness and innocence of animals. But one of his quotes is, animals have a much clearer concept of the divine, a sort of direct link to the playful presence that runs through everything in this world. Mm, And I I think that's true. But it's not in hummingbirds. No, they're kind of mean. Those hummingbirds are mean. (laughs) I put up hummingbird feeders this year, and those are the meanest to each one another. They're greedy Uh and mean. They'll they'll (laughs) guard, they'll try to keep... I don't know. It's just, but dogs—they're just a special creature. I understand why people really get attached. Yes. I'd love—I'd love to have. There's dogs I'd just love to have, but also where we live in our area, I don't want to keep a dog pinned up, and I don't want to keep a dog tied up, and I don't want one in the house. So that just pretty well rules me out. Right. So instead, we have Tabby's goofy dogs. Tabitha has a couple of yeah. dogs. Well, really, Blake and Bailey, and they turn them loose, and they—we all just treat them like they're community yeah. dogs. <laughs> So we get enough dog love right, right there. While we all desire to be loved unconditionally, why are we so afraid to give love unconditionally? Well, let's just stop right there and ask it. Why is it? I mean, I know we're going to go ahead and read some more I mean, that, and I answer mean, that. Our Yeah, but I mean, when I read that, the first thing that came to my mind, I think we're just afraid of being hurt. Sure. You know? But in some ways, if you love unconditionally, I guess there are no expectations. So that, if, it's true, you, unconditional if it's true, love, unconditional that's, that's love, that's true, yeah. So the truth is, we think that to love unconditionally is risky, and it leaves us open to be hurt and disappointed. But as we will see, it is conditional love with strings attached and conditions connected to it that is really risky. Now, do you think that's a true statement? I do. Yes. Yeah. I do. Yeah. See, it, we, it's these, we're putting all of these, we're basing our love on all of these conditions. And that doesn't matter whether it's family or marriage or, you no, know. And I know we're going to get into Romance this, or whatever. But, but we're taught unconditional love in the church by God. But then we even put conditions on God's love. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know. Sure and I think that's where we get confused. But, but, but it's really. It's unconditional I th- but as condi- long as I'm con- following my conditions. You're, you're going to come a lot near being disappointed with conditional love. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because, it, as you said, if it's unconditional. Right. What that person matter. does, what that other person, the object of your love does, it doesn't matter. So a love based on conditions and circumstances is dependent on those conditions and circumstances being met by the object of our affection. And when those conditions disintegrate, so does the love and so does the relationship. 
So just how does a sense of being loved or a sense of being unloved affect our quality of life? I mean, doesn't everyone want to be loved? Are there unfortunate people, do you guys think, who never experience being loved? How does being loved unconditionally really affect our quality of life? And I have to kind of say on this one, um, I, of course, come from a family where love is unconditional in our family. If we have a problem with each other, it just kind of spills out and you talk (laughs) about it until you're over it. And you know that in the end, everyone's going to be okay. But I married a man who came from a family where love is very conditional. All of the love he's ever experienced is very, very conditional. One of the things he told me is, Every time he, one of his stepfathers told him, every time I have to get on to you, that undoes the last 10 good things that you did. Oh, wow. Oh, how sad. (laughs) But for the first two years that we were married, every time we would have a disagreement or we would have a grievance and we would Uh discuss it out, he just assumed that meant that I didn't love him anymore. Well, that's, and we do. And and there are people who never, but sometimes it is our fault that people don't love us. Yes. Sometimes, because we're, I think as they snowball into that not being loved and feel unworthy of love, mm-hmm. as people in that, then they become more unlovable. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that makes any sense, maybe. It's but, sort of a way of guarding yourself. We'd lo- love to hear what some of our listeners think about that. But in the meantime, allow us to pause. We'll re- regroup. And we'll be right back with part two. Okay, welcome back to part two of episode 80 of our podcast, God Beyond the Bible. Today's topic is love, and more specifically, unconditional love. We ended part one with some questions about how feeling we are loved or unloved really affects our quality of life. Most of us have said that we just want to be loved and accepted for who we are, and that means acceptance of our character, personality, and qualities that are good, and those that might be perceived as not so good. And isn't that this really unconditional love in a nutshell? Total acceptance, your good qualities, your faults, and your flaws alike. As hard as it is to accept, many, if not most of us, don't love ourselves. That means that deep down, we're fixating on our own faults and shortcomings and paying very little tribute to our own good qualities. So, listeners out there, and even you guys sitting here, on a scale of 1 to 10... 10 being that I do accept and love myself for who I am, and one being I don't really like myself at all, what would you rate your love for yourself? And, I mean, you guys don't have to answer that out loud. Well, no, I mean, I can, no, I can say... Me. Way below a five. It'll be Mine will be very low on the scale. Yeah. Very low. I'm the same way, but, you know, I've noticed over the last year or so that my love for myself is growing as my view of how much God really does love me well, yeah. and his unconditional love. I asked, the reason I threw that in there is I asked a friend of mine that as we were riding down the road and I, I just made the statement. I said, I think that I, one of my biggest problems is I don't appreciate or love myself for my good qualities and the things that I am. You know, because we're always told, and we're going to talk about that, we're told that's ego or arrogance or whatever mm-hmm. to love ourselves. And I asked him, I said, do, do you like yourself? He said, no. Wow. Uh, I, so, if that's something that's, you know, shouldn't we 
work on that you know there's not a lot of tools out there there's a lot of blah 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 out there about right. how to look sure. but, but you know we don't and maybe that, that's something that maybe we should work on in our children too i agree um i think you're number three okay now this may make us very uncomfortable but many believe that the reason we can't find that love and acceptance we are so dearly searching for is that we don't know how to love and accept who we are some may even say that it is especially difficult for those in the christian culture Mm -hmm. to love and accept themselves for who they are because they've been told over and over again that they're decrepit and unlovable and your best qualities are as filthy rags and even from god's perspective so you think this is a true or false statement that 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 christian culture has more difficulty connecting loving with them and i never thought about it but it's almost like it's a it's a form of mental abuse and we don't it's on a subconscious level we don't realize but i always go back there's a song and I can't remember the name of the song, but I just remember every, there's one line in it that says something about God dying for such a worm as I. And I'm like, you know, that's just, at the cross, is At the cross, yeah, at yeah. the cross, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, imagine telling your child this, you know, honey, you have a dad that loves you very much as long as he's looking at you through your brother's eyes because you are so worthless. He can't stand to look at you unless he's thinking of his brother when he looks at you. And that's yeah. pretty profound. That's a, that's a good profound. You would profound, never tell your child no, that. And, that's, and, and God, God's not that way. He, no. he, he did what he did through Jesus because he loves us. Yes. Not right. so he could love us. That's right. <laughs> so can a relationship really make us whole and complete if we don't perceive ourselves as whole and complete? Might we be dooming the relationship by our unrealistic expectations? May we even apply the law of attraction in saying that deep down we don't think we're lovable, therefore we subconsciously doom the relationship because we never even expected it to work out in the first place. And maybe that's a little bit with Trayson's husband. Maybe that's a difficulty that he faces. He don't feel worthy to be loved. And he's come a long way, you know, in the last six years. but, But I think that was a lot of it is, well... I don't want to put too much into this because it's just going to explode again kind of situation. Well, if you've had a couple of bad. Yes. You know. If you well, were. everyone has at least, probably they know at least one person who kind of goes from relationship to relationship. Mm-hmm. And you can tell they don't love themselves, so they don't like to be alone. There's but if you don't, you know, it, but they have, that's why they're constantly looking for that companionship that's going to make them. Yeah, they're seeking finally, that completion that yeah. they can't find and, within And, and there's too much of that today. There's people profiteering off of that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's these websites that are matching and everything, mm-hmm. you know, until you're, I just think that until you're kind of cool inside and yeah. then, and when you're like that, it's like, okay. I can have somebody. I don't have to have some. Exactly. You know, well, and you I'm, always I'm, taught us that. Know that you can be by yourself, yeah, and I'm, then you can find yeah, someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. So we all know that we aren't talking about the conceited, selfish attitudes that might be associated with those that we perceive as being in love with themselves or narcissistic yeah. or those who come off as though they think they're smarter and better than everyone they encounter. We're talking more about self-acceptance. What are some indicators that we may not have a healthy self-worth or self-acceptance? Well, I mean, one we just talked about, the whole relationship isn't easy. If you're looking for someone to fulfill an empty, something that's inside you, and and there's not something, now I realize, people do feel 
places in our lives. Mm -hmm. But our happiness can't be dependent on that those people are always going to do what we well, want them to do Well, if your happiness is dependent upon anything, then it will falter yeah. eventually. Especially if it's another person. Yes. And let me go ahead and say here, if you guys are hearing a little extra white noise, we've got our air stuff running it's in here. It's hot in Arkansas. Yeah, it's still, this is Labor Day weekend. It's humid and hot out there right now. And uh, we actually use this studio to record some music after we get through. <laughs> so we try to keep it cool in here. So you'll notice the white noise will go away after a yeah. week. Here, I think next weekend we're supposed to be some I nice weather. I think so. So I actually read an article by a psychologist. <clears throat> and the basis of the article was... He believes that one of our major societal problems is that we are a society who encourages people to have self-esteem or to believe in themselves and be proud of themselves based on their accomplishments, but that we do not instill self-worth in our children. Yeah, value. that's what we're really talking about. Your value. inherent value as a person based on nothing except that you are a living, breathing being. And as and as a believer that you're God's creation. Mm -hmm. You are a an object of your object of God's love. Well, as odd as it may sound, an overinflated ego may actually be the result of low self-acceptance. If we'll recall from our episode on ego, our ego is how we think others perceive us. So we may really overcompensate for areas of our lives where we don't think we measure up. Now, ego, remember, is a self-preservation mechanism mm -hmm. that keeps people at a distance so they do not discover my true self. Mm -hmm. And eventually, we role-play and we keep up that false image, which, make, which makes it more difficult to appreciate our own value and self-worth. It's a, it's a snowball. It you is. can get into that ego thing and, and never... A lot of us don't like ourselves because we know very personally all of our shortcomings. Oh, yeah. It, you know, go ahead. Well, you know, I, we say this a lot, but we do want you guys, we're in no way qualified to give anyone no. advice on things that deal with psychology or mental health. We're just merely drawing on our own personal experiences and observations. And we found that most of us are not very comfortable with self-evaluation. I mean, who really likes that? For Since sure. most of the time we're asked to self, when we are asked to self-evaluate, we're asked to do it in the Christian culture where often we're supposed to be looking for the negative, yeah, the now, things e we got to change. Examine yourself <laughs> and see if you need to change, if you need to change yeah. this about yourself. Yeah. So to self-evaluate, though, in a good way, um, a good place to start may be to ask, overall, do I feel good about myself or do I have a sense that to feel good about myself, I need to change this or change that? And, you know, it may also help to ask, am I really self-critical? Do I beat myself up for days yes, or weeks or over years. a mistake or a failure that might have been avoided? Have you ever had those moments laying in bed where you think of something that happened, honestly, in like third grade and go, mm -hmm. oh, why did I do that? And it I just, do. It's I can like remember things from when I was a teenager and yes. you just, and it hits you all of a sudden. And, and, it's, and chances it's, are the other person has no memory. Well, and I don't know if we've ever done, we've done so many episodes, but I don't know if we've ever done them. But that's guilt and shame. Uh -huh. Yes. And guilt and shame, does it ever accomplish anything? No. But no. yet, the Christian culture seems to try to use, mm -hmm. leverage guilt and shame to get people where oh, they yeah. think they want them. And that's terrible. That's just manipulation. That's terrible. Yeah. I and, mean, you know, because guilt and shame doesn't, wh what does it accomplish? Right. More guilt and shame. Yes. 
I think, are you nine, Tracing? Or is it me? It's you. Okay. Am I always comparing myself and my accomplishments to others? Now, this now this is critical, too. And the results of how I measure up dictates how I feel about myself and my abilities. See, we live it. This is the thing. I have a problem with the competitive of all competitiveness that we have in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think, and don't, sports lovers, don't get angry with me. I think in our children, we start really praising our kids. I know a guy that he he to to well i I don't want to be too personal but anyway you know he rewards in sports his grandchildren for their accomplishments and then as they do better and one does better than the other he gets a bigger think about how much we do out of competition I almost get my non-competitiveness from you because I hate anything competitive. I hate music. It ruins music for me. I I played in a uh, gospel bluegrass group for years, and we traveled around. And I think the last year that we did like 100 shows, maybe Mm -hmm. the last year that I played with them all the time. But I hated the going to the bluegrass shows because that's a big competition. Mm -hmm. It's just a competition to see who can blow away. Boy, that group there blew everybody away. You know, that takes the whole purpose for doing music, it completely. And I think, you know, and I know we kind of dig on that, this. That's a why lot. I quit. Yeah, I think um, social media is another one of those that really encourages that competitive behavior. Of, did you see where they went on vacation? I'm going to post these pictures of where we're going. We're going to do something bigger and mm-hmm. better, and we do it with our friends and with people that we barely know, with acquaintances. And the truth is, guys, it doesn't matter. No, nope. it doesn't. So, oh. well, aren't we trying to? Pre- no, I did nine. Okay. Yeah. Do praise and compliments make me uncomfortable because I don't feel worthy of other people's admiration, even when deep down I know I did a good job or a good deed for someone? And it is. I don't take compliments very well. Yeah. I always, I'm trying to learn to just take a compliment and hush. Just yeah. thank don't, you. Don't respond. Yeah. Don't. Well, that's sweet. Thank you. Uh, instead of having to... Oh, no, no, it's not. I just, it's no big deal. Yeah, I yeah, you know, we have to blow it up. And then doesn't that kind of, in a way, and I've done that all my life, but doesn't the way that kind of flies in the... Well, you know, I tried to give him a compliment, but... Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> 11 there, Tracy. So, while some people aren't usually attracted to egotistical phonies, they really do like being around people who are comfortable in their own skin. You guys know people like that, don't yeah, you? Where sure. you just, you're going, wow, she's always herself or he's always himself mm-hmm. no matter where yeah. he's at. People who learn to accept themselves are often much more successful at making positive advances in those areas that they may consider weak points that need improvement. But not because of ego, so others will be impressed, but to bolster their own sense of value and self-worth. And I guess, once again, with that thought, we're going to pause, we'll regroup, and be right back with part three. Okay, listeners, we're back with part three of episode 80 of God Beyond the Bible. Part two may have left us with the impression that we've kind of strayed from our topic of unconditional love, but we believe it's true that we can't really experience the love of someone else if we don't feel worthy to be loved. And as stated, some people say we can't love and be loved until we learn to love and accept ourselves. And I think that's true, and I've never really thought of that in life, as old as I am. 
that's why we're unlovable. We feel unlovable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So we believe that the best way to love, accept, and see value in others is to start seeing it in ourselves. And the best way to do that is to know our own value and worth. We believe the best way to develop a healthy perspective on our own value is to experience the unconditional love of God, to know that God loves us regardless of our situation, our circumstances, or our character. And most of those are things we had nothing to do with. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we put no positive or uh, real thought in, in, into those things. It just the way we turned out, is, as we say. And, and know that that unconditional love isn't going to flip on and off like a switch. Yeah. Yeah, right. because it's not unconditional. <laughs> it exactly. Does. While we may occasionally hear a message presenting God as an unconditional lover of humanity, for the most part, believers are hearing the Almighty's love as purely conditional. If we meet this expectation, if we make that sacrifice, then and only then do we have His approval, blessing, and love. Unfortunately, many of these so-called conditions revolve around the activities and the ministries deemed godly by the organizations we're affiliated yeah. with. Does that think that's a fair statement? Oh, yeah. I do. So when we listen to the near-death experiences of those who've died, experienced the afterlife, and returned um, back to this side, the common thread that weaves its way through the fabric of these experiences is the overwhelming sense of total acceptance and unconditional love. While many of these people report to have a life review, some of it pleasant and some not so pleasant, they never feel condemned or judged. And it is this overwhelming sense of love and acceptance that most say makes them not want to return to this realm. And while some may argue that these experiences do not represent the true character of the divine, they do not consider that this quality of non-judgmental, unconditional love of Jesus is exactly what attracted all people from all walks of life to him. When the Roman centurion came to Jesus stating his own unworthiness to receive a healing miracle for his servant, Jesus countered his feelings of unworthiness by healing his servant. No sermons on how he needed to get his life in order (laughs) or even agreeing with the Roman officer about his unworthy condition. No, Jesus didn't mention it anymore. And, And another thing that I wanted to say, did you notice that Jesus, nothing in there is ever mentioned. These people get healed. You don't know anything about their religious background. Nope. No. Everybody reads that and just assumes they're automatically believers in the Christian. Mm-hmm. Most of these people Jesus encountered, there was no discussion about what they, oh, but Jesus already knew. Listen, people, you know, everybody <laughs> yes. will say, oh, but Jesus already knew what they, you know, in their heart. Well, then he knew their heart. And some of these people were uh, what were considered dregs of society. Mm-hmm. Then... How should what should our attitude be now? I just thought I'd throw that in there. I I found that I discovered that years into Bible say, wait a minute, where did these people come from? What kind of people are they? Even the ones where Jesus would say, "Never have I seen such great faith." He never once said that about a Jew, right? Yeah, or That's a true. religious person, as far as we know. Well, while some may argue that these divine experiences do not represent, uh the true character of the divine did i just read that you might want to read six i about okay all right (laughs) jesus spoke i thought that looked familiar it should have right jesus spoke of love at every turn he even said that it was the fulfillment of the father's desire for us to love the father and to love one another if we will look past the narrative of the writer and concentrate on jesus messages we will discover that love rules over everything 
heaven and earth. There is not a single power that can challenge unconditional love. I love that. And that is especially true of the Creator's love for His creation. If we are to experience a genuine love relationship with the Most High, we must put aside the distorted image of Him being the character of one who created us. We failed to meet some divine expectation as a human race, and now He's angry and vengeful. You know, Paul was the only writer whose near-death experience account is in our modern Bible, and you'll find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But Paul also wrote of his impression of what true, unconditional love was, and that he wrote this in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. He said, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And Paul has given his definition of unconditional love, and it's likely that he's drawing from his near-death experience that happened more than a dozen years earlier in his life. If this is divine, unconditional love, then this must be the kind of love that the divine has for humanity. Most sermons using this text emphasize that it is a directive of how God expects us to love one another. Paul wasn't merely stating how we should love one another, but how the divine loves us. And you never, I've never once heard that taught that this is how God loves us. It was always, no. this is how you are supposed to love others. That's how Very God true. expects you to love others. Well, that means that God's love for us, his love for us is unconditionally patient and kind, unconditionally not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude, uh, unconditionally does not demand its own way, uh, is not irritable, keeps no record of being, now we're talking about God now, yes. keeps no record of being wronged, contrary to what we're told, does not rejoice in injustice, rejoices in the truth, never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful, endures every circumstance. And that is unconditional love. Sure it is. And I love that there's a thing that kind of goes around that says, it calls this the path to self-happiness and to self-joy, you know, and it says to, I wrote it down here, but I can't read my handwriting. <laughs> Remember that you should be patient and be kind you don't have to be envious. You don't have to brag about everything you do. You don't have to bring up the past, not even to yourself. Don't and that's be, a big one there. Yes. Yeah. Don't be cranky. Remember that you can stand up for others whenever possible. Be proud when someone tells the truth because it's not easy. Don't ever give up. Always keep the faith in yourself and in others. Remember that there's always hope and that tomorrow's another day. Right. Okay. Tabitha, did you do nine? No. Not all of it. Okay. Okay. So that's how God loves humanity unconditionally. And he loves each of us on a personal level. This love for us is what we must embrace. We must internalize this truth of God's divine, unconditional love for us personally. And once we have established his unconditional love for us, we can make it our own and begin to love others in a likewise manner. Then we are able to experience true love for and from others. And people who make this unconditional love the driving force in their lives have really mastered peace. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
God's unconditional acceptance of us with all of our flaws will make us accept others with all of their faults and their flaws. And we will not only experience giving this type of love, but we will ultimately receive this love that we so desire from others. If we want to see this world change in a positive way, we must stop the hate, stop the judging, stop the criticism, stop the division, and just love. Well, until next time, may God's grace, peace, and unconditional love be on you, in you, and radiate out from each of you, our fellow seekers, from all of us here at God Beyond the Bible. Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at godbeyondthebible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at godbeyondthebible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.